Welcome to San Miglite and CNN Philippines Present, The Cost of Isolation, a mahabahabang usapan on coping, managing, and accepting, featuring Dr. Gia Sison, Jean Goldborn, Kylie Verzosa, and Mark Hennig, moderated by Isa Calzado. privileged, I am honored to be moderating this very important discussion. I hope that this will be something that is very helpful to each and everyone who's tuned in right now. I am really glad that we can have this kind of mahabahabang usapan today about the cost of isolation. Dito pa naman sa Pilipinas, we have one of the longest lockdowns in the world. It has been more than six months. Can you believe that? More than six months since President Rodrigo Duterte placed the entire Luzon under enhanced community quarantine, or as we know of it, ECQ, to contain COVID-19. And of course, shortly after, many other parts of the country were affected, and still are, we've had extensions, downgrades, and then even went back to stricter quarantine rules in August. Sa totoo lang, aminin natin sa sarili natin at sa isa't isa, napakahirap. Hindi ba? The struggle is so real. At dahil doon, marami tayong dapat pag-usapan. So welcome to part two of our mahabahabang usapan, The Cost of Isolation. Coping, Managing, and Accepting. We would like to welcome our panelists. We are so honored to have all of them today. And I'm going to begin by asking each and every one of them to give me one word to best describe these many months of isolation and quarantine restrictions or just simply the pandemic itself. One word only. Then later on, we will ask them to explain. Introducing our first panelist, ladies and gentlemen, is Dr. Gia Sison, a doctor of occupational medicine and a mental health advocate. She is also the host of the CNN Philippines digital series, G Talks. Hi, Dr. G. Hi, Isa. Super happy to be here. Happy to have you. Doc G, what is your one word? Difficult. Later, I'll give you some time to talk about why you chose this word. Allow me to introduce our next panelist, Jean Goldborn, a fierce mental health advocate. She is the founder of the Natasha Goldborn Foundation, established in 2007. It is a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the importance of mental health. Tita Jean is also the country representative of International Association of Suicide Prevention. We are so lucky to have your energy with us here tonight, Jean Goldburn. It is your turn now to let us know what is your one word, Tita Jean? I could sum it up in five words, but since I have one word, what I can say is frustration. Frustration. Difficult for Doc G and then frustration for Tita Jeannie. Let's see what our next panelist has to say. It is an honor and definitely a pleasure to have this mahabahabang usapan with Kylie Verzosa. A beauty queen turned actress, Kylie is known for her mental health advocacy. She won the Miss International Crown in 2016. And Kylie, you are only one of six Filipinas who gave this kind of pride and honor to, the, to our country. And tonight, we are so blessed to have you with us. Kylie, what is your one word? 
Hey, Isa. Hi, Doc Gia. Hi, Jeannie. So grateful to be here. But my one word to describe this pandemic would be challenging. Challenging. Difficult. Frustrating. Frustrating and challenging. Kaya ko pa ba? Kaumpisa lang, di ba? Okay. So thank you. Wow. Gabi. Malalaman natin mamaya kung ano tong one word na to. And our last panelist, but definitely not the least, is Mark Hennick, a mental health advocate and an author. In fact, Mark is launching his book on mental health. The book is entitled So-Called Normal. He is also the CEO of Strategic Mental Health Solutions, a consulting firm that is focused on helping people and organizations have a deeper understanding of mental health awareness. Mark joins us all the way from Toronto. Hi, Mark. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me uh, speak with you today. It's a real honor. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Mark, can you share with us what is your one word? You know, I've been thinking about this all week, and I, I think the one word that comes to mind for me is endurance. I love that. I've thought about that as well. So, yes, <laughs> endurance. Wow, a lot of answers. And now that we have heard from all our panelists, ako naman, my one word Nobody asked me to share, but I will share. Humbling. Guys, before we proceed, nasabi ko na kanina six months. That's half a year. Kalahati na ng taon natin. And we have had limited social interaction. Outdoor time. It's been really challenging. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually for some, financially for a lot of people. And the reaction for many of us is grief. I think we would all agree. We are grieving. It's like we've broken up from this previous life that we all once had. We are grieving. And to touch on this subject, I would like to hear your thoughts, Mark. I think that when this all first started, we were met with this denial, uh, which is very common, not only in the loss of a relationship, uh, but in certainly in cases of death and certainly in cases of, of extreme change. This is unprecedented. We had never in our lifetimes experienced anything like this. I remember thinking at the beginning of the pandemic, oh, you know, it'll just be a few days or a few weeks, or, or surely by the summer, uh, things will be back to quote unquote normal. Well, I think now we have to let go of that idea that we'll ever go back to the old normal, uh, because in some ways, uh, unless we accept uh, the current circumstance, that doesn't mean liking it, but unless we accept it, uh, then we'll never change. We'll never get unstuck. And, and it's that friction, that psychological friction inside us. That it's not supposed to be this way. That's what causes so many struggles, both in circumstances like this and in grief. So I think in order to get unstuck and to move forward and accept that this is what it is and it's hard and it's okay that it's hard, I think we need to acknowledge that and accept it. Beautiful. A, a big part of, of the challenges that we face in life truly needs a lot of acceptance in order for us to move forward, to get to the next phase where we need to be. So thanks, thanks for that um, answer, Mark. But before we get to acceptance, there's a lot of things that we go through. Before we move forward, allow us to look back to when it started for us here in the Philippines. It was March 16 when it started, our ECQ started. That was when the president placed the entire Luzon under ECQ. And then shortly, the rest of the country was affected. We've talked about your one word. So we want to ask you, like I want to ask you, Doc G, Tita Jeannie, Kylie, and Mark, tell us more about why you chose that word. We'll start with Doc G. Isa, it's difficult because 
we're really faced with something that's uncertain. When we're talking about stress, it's a reaction we have because of a certain stressor. Pero this time, we're talking about a long-time stressor. So there's a short-term effect and a long-term effect. Difficult for me because there were a lot of plans na hindi natuloy. We had so many plans starting this year. But when uh, the pandemic hit us, it really disrupted all our plans. And the roller coaster of emotions every day is really a struggle, I must say. And it's a journey we all take. If there's really one word I can describe my whole experience, it's really difficult. But you learn to fight through those uh, difficulties one day at a time. Thank you, Doc G. Indeed, we have to learn how to fight through it. And, and perhaps it could change for us, diba? Every day, yes. the word yes. could change. It could be a different mood. Tita Jeannie? I chose the word frustration because mm-hmm. I listen to what's going on. I watch signs on the streets, the checkpoints and all that. Everywhere you go when you're in the car, there are different questions asked in the checkpoints in the first three months of the pandemic. And then uh, as we moved on to the third, fourth month, I thought that there would be one guideline for the whole country I thought that there would be a prevention, a list of what to do to prevent. Answering questions, where's the root cause? There's so many theories, conspiracy theories that it's man-made. There's just so many theories, but nobody within our country was able to perhaps guide us which of the theories are, are right or wrong. I took up investigative journalism in my head. I wanted an answer. Was it political? Was it a world power that wanted to come? Was it, you know, depopulizing the, the whole world? Those were kind of theories. So I got frustrated because there were no answers. There were no answers. Um, and my people, my employees, they were appealing for some help. They were promised certain things and certain medicines would be delivered, but they didn't get it. Where can they go for health insurance? There was just too many questions I couldn't answer. And even Hopeline, which is the phone number we have for 24 hours, we had to retrain the responders because there were questions that they don't know how to answer. We were getting calls about, these are our symptoms. Do I have COVID or not? But then, after accepting what's there, I could really just say to you that I went into a very deep, the way I did when I lost my daughter. I allowed myself the grief. And after the grief, I just decided I better design a new life for myself and for those around me. And so that's where I am. I believe that We Filipinos are resilient, and I believe that we can do a lot in spite of a lot of things that are challenging right now. So from that frustration, you're taking it into your hands and really doing something about it, which you've always done. To let you know, we are sharing some of your answers from the chat box, like, what's your one word? Sabi dito ng iba, realization, exasperated, Mm -hmm. sad, eye-opening, uncertainty, awakening. I'd like to hear Kylie's word and why you chose that word. So my word for the whole pandemic would be challenging. It's been challenging for me and a lot of us because and daming bagay na 
like what um, Doc Gia said, daming bagay na napaplano na hindi natutuloy. Swerte na lang tayo, minsan postponed. But it's been challenging for me because one, it affected my family greatly. A long-time family business been shut down because of the pandemic. Parang it was with us for about 18 years and dahil sa pandemic, um, it had to shut down. When you see things happening around you, okay lang. But when something happens in your life, dun mo na-realize, dito ako na-apektohan ng pandemic. So I would say that would be one of the biggest things that affected me and my family. So just trying to cope with that. Since we're locked in, we're stuck with the same people and just trying to deal with whether, for example, if, if you are living with your family members and a lot of people from my advocacy come to me and they're at, they ask, what do I do with, with toxic family members? So parang, how do I deal with this? And this is when I realized, alam mo, totoo, you know, we are stuck in a home. Now, what if hindi talaga siya nakakatulong sa akin? So I guess it's also dealing with our surroundings. And, you know, as time passed by, I guess it's, it's dealing with so much uncertainty with work. Every day, things can change. So it, it's been challenging for me, but also in a way, I've just decided to look at this in a positive point of view. So I've used this time wisely. I've used this time to just improve on myself, to just keep on growing and striving. So with this time, I've decided to take up online courses or since I got into acting, like acting workshop pa ako online, kahit Zoom lang, okay na yun sa akin. Or this is the time I got to spend more time with my advocacy. Ito talaga yung oras na natutukan ko talaga siya dahil may oras na tayo. Or I started to take up graphic design or painting. So ako, I just try to look at it and take it a day at a time and try to, you know, make this time a moment of improvement. And I want to come out of the pandemic even a better person. And, you know, it's been seven months. So I, I think na-achieve ko naman yun. But... I, I'm still a work in progress, so tuloy-tuloy pa rin yung pag-improve sa sarili. Thank you, Kylie. I think we all are a work in progress. I think yes. that, that, that it should never stop. That's a personal opinion. <laughs> but yes. good on you that you've been able to do that. It is very frustrating, and I'm sorry to hear about the shutdown of your family business and I and I hope that other doors open and I and not just hope I am claiming it with you and with Thank your family you. with Manong Ari hi I know um, hi to my dad watching <laughs> and um yeah it's it's been very difficult for everyone and people are probably thinking like grabe if it's if it if it's been difficult for our inter- miss international then okay lang siguro that it's been difficult for me no so sometimes we just need to hear that we're not the only ones experiencing this. And trust me when I say we are all experiencing this together. It may be different kinds of challenges, but we're all being challenged at this point. Now, I would like to hear Mark's take on this um, coming from Toronto. And um, he said earlier endurance, and, and I really, really love that word. So Mark, please tell us why you chose this word. I was debating between endurance and exhaustion because I've been keenly experiencing both over these last six months. And, you know, here in Canada, we've been faring relatively well through the pandemic. Uh, Certainly it has uh, changed all of our lives in every way, Uh, but we also share uh, the the longest, uh, one of the longest unprotected borders between any two countries. Uh, And it just so happens the country on the other side of that border has one of the highest rates, both of infection and in death uh, in the world. 
So that's causing quite a, uh, a large amount of anxiety for us, especially given the fact that uh, a substantial uh, portion of the Canadian population, most of the Canadian population, uh, lives very, very close uh, to that border, including our major metropolitan areas. So I think carrying that, uh, that anxiety, uh, we've had no choice but to have endurance. When I mentioned before that we first came into this and there's the shock, how dramatically all of our lives are changing, and we kept hoping for it to go back to whatever that normal was. Well, as it wore on, we all had to start to get over that idea that things would be changing back uh, anytime soon, at least if we wanted to live in a healthy, relatively normal way or so-called normal way to, to mention the title of my book. Um, but, you know, I think that this is so typical of mental illness uh, for me. I conceptualize mental illness as stuckness. Uh, we know that it has a biological, neurological effect. Uh, we know that it is uh, strongly psychological in nature. But the other part of that biopsychosocial model is social, that our mental health is, is uh, determined by, in many cases, our social inter interconnectedness, our ability to break down that isolation and to be connected with others and to reach out for others. You you know, I spent most of my adolescence suicidal. I had been in and out of hospital seven times. Uh, I had been the, the person that goes in and out of psych wards so often that the more help they need, the less help they get. They just get seen as a frequent flyer who gets written off because they keep asking for more and more help. And for me, it wasn't until somebody, a complete stranger, reached out during a suicide attempt. He grabbed me and pulled me off a bridge and then got to know me. He took the time to actually get to know me, to not diagnose me, to not talk about my uh, various medications that I had tried or the various uh, therapies that I had tried. He just got to know me as a real person. And that's really when I started to learn how important that connection was to my mental health and to those that I've been working with as a counselor and clinician ever since. Now that we haven't had that, of course, the ability to interact with people in the same kind of way, we've had to be incredibly innovative uh, in building things like this, conversations, town halls just like this, in which we can still maintain social connectedness, even though we're social distancing. That has taken a lot of endurance to be able to get here. My one hope, I guess, the, the one silver lining that comes from that is that if we endure long enough, I hope that it makes us stronger. Uh, we know that we need to support people through this because not everybody is able to endure that long. Some people will break. And I'm deeply concerned about the coming echo pandemic of mental health problems and illnesses. In fact, I don't even think it's coming anymore. I think we're already in it. Um, so we all need to continue to uh, endure this together. And I think that it, we have two choices, two choices at the end. Either it will traumatize us uh, and we'll carry this forward in negative ways, or we can learn really important lessons, not only about our public health system, uh, but about ourselves. First, allow me to say thank you for sharing your story with us. Although it, it was a brief sharing, thank you for being vulnerable enough to, to talk about this. It means so much, especially to have a man talk about your mental health condition because a lot of men are afraid to speak up, especially in our country, and I don't know what it's like in Canada. Um, so thank you. You are very correct, and, and I think we would all agree that our interconnectedness is something that we've realized over the past six months and how important that is, which leads me to my answer. My answer was humbling. I know I'm not a panelist tonight, so I Go promise ahead, not to please. hide it's that okay. yeah. <laughs> We do yeah. want to hear. We do want to hear. Um, what does um, humbling mean? Yeah. Why? Why so, humbling? 
Why humbling? Yeah, you know, Mark said at the start of this, we were in complete shock. I was in a lot of shock. I was uh, hit with COVID-19 and then and, and I almost did not make it. Um, it. The doctor said that if I delayed going to the hospital by two days, I don't know. I don't know what the chances would have been, but I, I, I guess I'm just very grateful to be here. Let's just put it at that. Um, so it was really a complete shock to me, to our family, to all of us that that happened. And because of that experience, though, I was deeply humbled by what I went through. Just touching on interconnectedness, I realized how important it is for us to have each other. You know, if not for my doctors and my nurses who took care of me, the people who sent in their prayers and their thoughts and their love when I was in the hospital, again, I don't know if I would have made it. And so that's very humbling when you think of that. It's also humbling to realize that I'm not as invincible as I thought I was, that I am human, and that if you push your body too hard, it will give up on you. It may give up on you, rather. And so you have to take good care of it. And I, another humbling realization is that how am I living my life? How am I spending my time? How am I using the resources that we have here on earth? How am I treating others? And so I guess to sum it up, all that humility, all, all those moments could lead up to an awakening. So... It's, it's been a very um, challenging ride for all of us. But with that also, there is a kind of strength that we can get out of this, as Mark said. If we don't have it, then we can reach out to others. I think that's very important. And that's why we are having this conversation. It is so important for us to reach out during those moments when we feel like we can't cope anymore and manage. You're still listening to San Light and CNN Philippines present The Cost of Isolation, a mahabahabang usapan on coping, managing, and accepting. Featuring Dr. Gia Season, Jean Goldborn, Kylie Rososa, and Mark Hennick. Moderated by Isa Calzado. We've all had mixed emotions about this very difficult, unprecedented situation. As I said, reach out. Talking. Talking has helped a lot. And here is an interesting fact that I would like to share with all of you. The National Center of Mental Health is reporting a significant increase in monthly hotline calls regarding depression. As Mark said, I, Mark, could you please repeat what, what term you used? Um, I've been calling it an echo pandemic or the coming second wave uh, of mental yeah, health problems. Echo pandemic. And I would have to agree with you. People are saying it's going to be the next wave. I really think that we're already in it, as you said, I would agree. And that is why we are having this conversation, I believe. In the Philippines, the pre-lockdown number of calls was 80 a month. Now, it's almost 400. For Hopeline of um, Natasha Goldburn Foundation, Tita Jeannie, they get as, as uh, many as 3,400 calls a month. Um, almost a 200% spike up since this pandemic has started. Obviously, Talking to someone is important. 
but talking to a professional, seeking professional help is another story altogether. What is the difference between the two? For Hopeline, uh, we have gotten a lot of gratitude uh, letters and um, uh, tweets that they were helped just by talking from 15 minutes to 45 minutes per person. So we've got 16 responders. But what hit me was little children, eight years old to 12 years old, Mark, maybe it's not um, prevalent in um, Canada, but we're getting calls from eight to 10 years old and 12 to 16 is very normal for us today since the pandemic. And the children keep on asking, kailan ba ito matatapos? Gusto na namin makita yung mga kaibigan namin. They're all asking, can we see our friends? Can we play with our cousins? Can we go back to school? But now with the laptop, uh, blended learning, it cost me another wave of phone calls of children whose parents couldn't afford to buy them laptops. So those are the cases. We have had suicide cases of 8, 10, and 12 years old. So I think I've escaped my own reality and my own fear and anxiety for myself and my family. I think I kind of got lost just trying to help and wonder. That's why my word was frustration. How can we help the children, the teachers, and the parents? And there's uh, rising a little bit of rising violence within the family. The fathers who lost their jobs are losing their temper. And uh, the houses are so small for some, and it's really tight. And I think the presence of 10 people all talking at the same time or trying to learn on the blended learning, I think it can get frustrating for a lot. So in our calls, uh, ISA, we have now six doctors that can give assessment, but we're still missing a lot. We're hoping to get help and we're appealing to some mayors to help and set up assessment centers and clinics because as Mark had said, it will become more of a mental than COVID mortality rate that will rise. It's already happened to one province. The suicide cases are triple that of the COVID deaths. We're in kind of a rush, but we know and we have hope that we can make it. You said this earlier, you want to appeal. We'd love to appeal for more support from yeah. my, our private and, of course, private sector and, of course, our government yeah. for this. Um, Mark, uh, is it the same for Canada, are the, the rates for mental health calls and concerns? They are rising, I'm assuming. They are. They're increasing dramatically across the board. And we see now that suicide rates, uh, uh, like Jean said, are, are uh, going up. And my fear, of course, is that, well, it, it, we have been in this for a long time now, more than six months. Um, in terms of our mental health, that's actually not that long. Uh, so my concern is that as it continues to drag on, we haven't even, yeah. we're only just starting to see the psychological impact. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would have a, I have a question for Jean, if you don't mind, Isa, uh, and for the entire panel. Not at all, please. Um, 
yes, in Mark. Canada, I, f- I feel like here in Canada uh, and in the United States, uh, while we like, we like children, everybody loves babies, everybody thinks kids are cute, I'm not sure that we actually honor and respect children as individuals uh, in this culture. I'm, and by that, I mean that when a kid comes to an adult and says, I feel sad, I feel mm-hmm. suicidal even, um, I'm not sure that we take that as seriously as we could. We might think, especially if they're an adolescent, oh, it's just a phase, they'll get over mm-hmm. it, or you're just a kid, what do you know? Is that the mm-hmm. same in your cultures as well, where yes. uh, we don't take kids as seriously as we should? No, yes, you're right. You're right, Mark. And uh, it took me four years to get over because my husband was Canadian. Natasha Goldborn was Canadian. Mm-hmm. And when I lost her at the age of 27, I beat myself up. I had to go for counseling for a year. I beat myself up because I couldn't understand how I lost her. I'm a mm-hmm. psychology major. I read about Greg Braden is one of my favorite. I read about, you know, broken brains, functional medicine. And yet I couldn't understand that she was in the midst, not just out of a broken heart, but a broken spirit and hopelessness. That's why I'm very passionate, Mark, about what I'm doing. After meeting the different representatives from different 68 countries at IASP, I realized that there's so much to do for us. There's so much. It's not just passing a law about MH law, mental health law. It's not that. Every mayor, every barangay captain, we have the privilege to save a life. If WHO says every 40 seconds a life is lost, can you imagine, Mark? I'm so scared to face 2021. Mm. I'm really scared. The mental health, you said it, we're just beginning. So, Mark, what do I do? Can I work with you? Can I work with Canada? Can I, I would add love to, that? to Yes, Kylie. Even with Mental Health Matters, there has been a significant amount of spike of young teenagers asking the group or even sending me personal messages, where can I go for consultation? Mm. And before, the age range would be from 21 onwards. Now it's, you're right, from 11 years old to 14 years old. And another problem that I also um, realized from the group is that parents don't understand or don't see the signs of, yeah. of children needing help. So a part of what we do for the first years of um, from my advocacy was to educate parents on the signs of depression to see if ito na ba talaga yung mga the signs or the words you need to watch out from your children and for children to be open to talk or sometimes it's the obligation of the parents to reach out to the children. So there, there is a need of education to older generations to acknowledge the signs and symptoms that are possible for, for their children. So there is, I, I agree with Jeannie, there is so much to do with regards to mental health here in the Philippines, with regards to education, with regards to uh, just, I guess, education with mental health and for the kids ngayon and dami kasi na anxious and daming and daming in need of answers because i guess the age of social media now and we tend to compare ourselves with what we see online 
So a lot of kids now are also facing um, a spike of depression and anxiety. I think it's, it's very important to talk about these things and not only to feel that we are going through something, but also the need of hope rather. So messages of hope will also help. So I'm glad we're doing these kinds of things to, you know, make people understand that hindi lang tayo nag-iisa. We're all going through the same thing. It may not be of the same level, but of somewhat the same degree, pero makakabango na rin tayo. Speaking of kids exhibiting signs and um, I guess seeking help, I'd really love to ask Doc G, when do people go to you? Or And, and I guess talk us through the process of what you do um, when you, you start these um, conversations with your patients. Just a disclaimer, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but every day since I'm a mental health advocate, I receive messages on my social media platforms asking even the basic question of, I'm sad, is this right? It already reaches that point that even you yourself, you question how you feel. And, and, and I always would take off on that note that you need to start with acknowledging how you feel because acknowledgement is a whole new world in itself. And then acceptance is a process. It's really a journey that we're all, we all take. And it's dynamic. And it's ever-changing too. So in, uh, you, you were talking about support. So I think it has to come to a point also that the mental health part should be addressed in this whole pandemic. Not just the, the health part, but several aspects. And mental health is one. That's why I appreciate these conversations because these are actual platforms where we can let others know that to feel anxious may be part of the process of facing something that's uncertain. So mm-hmm. I would always start off with that. And every, every, we, we are all facing some sort of change in our life. And change is never comfortable it entails something that is kind of difficult also to accept. And so we just, we move with the change. We go through the change and anchoring on hope on the long run because it's also not healthy when we dwell so much on mm-hmm. the negative part of it. There's a study that was uh, conducted. I just need to quote it. But during this pandemic, we really need to apply also radical acceptance. And when we say radical acceptance, the baseline of it is difficult times. And so we open our energy, we open our, our feelings to anchors of hope that there is a better future. But without invalidating feelings also of hopelessness because we do acknowledge that there is. And that all feelings, both positive and negative, are all valid acknowledge and validate. Right. I think this is a perfect time for me to bring up this this parang it's it's a phrase that's commonly used now. It's actually a title of a Korean series now. I don't know if you know about it, Mark. It's okay not it's to be called, okay. Yes, it's okay to not be okay. I'd love to have this discussion with you guys because it's it's really used a lot especially by teens, by, by people. What are your thoughts on this phrase? Do you think it's helpful or do you think it may even be problematic? So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's okay not to be okay for me. It means, um, like what Doc Gia said, it's, it's acknowledging that these feelings, it's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel insecure sometimes or not enough. It's okay. Valid lahat ng mga 
valid lahat ng mga nararamdaman mo. But this is so important because this is the first step to to healing, to getting over it, is to accept, is to know what we're feeling and then try to do the certain steps that will make us feel better after. So it's okay not to be okay. All your feelings are valid. But then what's the next step? What do we do after that? Then we start to do everything that we need to do. Then we start improving ourselves. Then, then ah, okay, this, ito pala yung nararamdaman ko. Then we can move forward. So it's very important to acknowledge na okay lang yung nararamdaman ko. Okay lang na ganito yung mga nararamdaman ko. Ano na ngayon? What's the next step? What do we need to do? So I like that phrase. It's okay not to be okay. Very relatable siya para sa akin. I think this is uh, not only acceptable, it's good to be able to, uh, from a very, very young age, uh, teach, uh, as parents, teach kids to name and label their emotions. People don't realize that just the ability to give your what you're feeling a name, to say, I am feeling sad, I am feeling right. angry. Um, we don't actually learn how to do that, generally speaking. Anybody who's ever seen a toddler, a two-year-old, knows the kids know how to feel. They know how to feel with great exuberance, <laughs> often very loudly, um, but they don't know what to call those feelings. Why that's important later on, especially as they become teenagers or middle-aged men have the highest rates of suicide, um, is that they still don't know what to call their emotions. And if you don't know what to call it, then you, how are you supposed to work with it? How are you supposed to find strategies to help soothe yourself if you don't even know what it is? So I think it's important. Now, that said, from the perspective of somebody who has, ha has been in long-term recovery from uh, major depressive disorder myself, I think that... Um, Recognizing that it's okay to not be okay is about 80% of your journey. Then there's something really interesting and magical that comes at the other side where you realize that, oh, it's actually okay to be okay as well. That yeah. you don't have to adopt the identity of a depressed person anymore. That if you're no longer exhibiting the symptoms, it's no longer causing functional impairments, maybe you don't have it anymore. And that's okay too. It's okay to move on and to let it go. Maybe you can help me because you said it in the correct way. But I've seen uh, a lot of denial. In the Philippines, we cannot stand confronting. We cannot stand confronting a person. We cannot even stand confronting ourselves or looking at our weak point and our strong point and still embracing and loving ourselves. Just saying, I love myself. I've got a lot of weak points. I've got a lot of angry issues. I have anger management issues, but I'll, get, I'll try to work it out. That's the 20% of understanding, realizing the things that you are. Uh, I'm afraid of it's okay not to be okay, to make that like a very popular and an easy thing. Because what I noticed is that when the parents say, are you okay? And the child says, 16-year-old tells the mother and the father, I'm okay. I broke up with her. She's got a better boyfriend than me. I'm not that good for her, but I'm okay. So we as parents tend to think he's having a nice, he's partying, he's smiling, he's, he acts the same. But within three months, and it has happened to two couples I've known, they lost their children thinking that they were okay not to be too okay. I think that kind of bothered me when I watched the movie, It's Okay Not To Be Okay. Because actually, Mark, if you watch the movie, it talks about an autistic person 
in a mental asylum, he's okay not to be okay. And people around him began to understand his language and began to understand that he was functioning in spite of his mental challenge. So I'm really scared because we in this country, we tend to run away from some of our reality. I think the feelings that Kylie said, I think that's very valid. You know, you can be sad. Like, I'll tell you the truth. I almost suffered depression. On the third month, I had terrific shingles from pressure of trying to keep afloat hope line and trying to wonder why I'm getting 250 calls a day. And I had only eight responders out of 16 who were in the staff house attending to the calls. I picked up the other five or six. I called all the doctors. Right after I solved that problem, I had shingles for 32 days. And the truth is, I suffered depression. I cried. I couldn't smile. I lost my energy. But I said, is it okay not to be okay? And that's the time I watched. I got hooked into K-drama yes. to, remo to remove my feelings of desperation, of feelings of how else can I save lives? And I'm okay now, but I had a not okay period. So I thought to myself, I'll give myself another week. I'll allow myself to be miserable, to be angry, to be frustrated. But right after the seventh day, I said, I'm gonna get up. And my biggest weakness is buying lipstick. So I bought probably 20 lipstick. It gives me a lot of good feeling. I listened to nice music and I went back and I started jumping. So there, so I allowed myself not to be okay for a few days, but we really have to be observant if somebody's not okay. But yes, we are allowed not to be okay for a couple of days, maybe even three weeks. But beyond that, it's time to look out for ourselves. What do you think, Mark? Did I say it right? I mean, like my observation. I think it's your experience. So of course it's right. <laughs> this is entirely what we're talking about. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that it's important that people share uh, both sides of the mountain. They share the struggle because that lets people know they're not alone, but they also share the recovery stories too, yeah. because that shows people that it's possible to get to the other side. You don't always know that when you're in it. I've been a depression survival myself and um that's why I also advocate about mental health because I know the feeling of, of being there stuck in that, in that, in that big, big rut, not knowing that if, if I'm ever going to be able to get out of it. But I also know the feeling of, of getting over, getting over it and, you know, sharing that, sharing my story or sharing this feeling of, of happiness and improvement, I think is such an important part of, of the discussion. It's talking about the journey, but it's also talking about, overcoming it to, to give stories of hope to people. Hope is one thing that I would like for us to keep holding on to. The light shines brightest at, when it's dark. So, yeah, so true. I always like kind of keep that in my head. Um, and it, it's right, no? Parang we have to allow ourselves to, to feel these array of emotions that we've been blessed with because it's, it's, it can be a blessing to feel all these things it's beautiful to actually feel it but there's a term here wag nating tambayan I mean, it's not um, stay in that 
um, and dwell on it, I yeah. guess, is, is what it means. May I briefly share, um, as a COVID survivor, I had um, a bit of survivor's guilt, which I, I never even knew about. It's just apparently one, it falls under PTSD. And, you know, after the hospital, while I was in the hospital, I would, or even after a few months after, weeks after, even just death tolls would make me break down and cry. And I knew that there was something wrong going on. So I had to work through it. And I, I, I had to accept that and really take the time to understand what I was feeling. And again, I had to make that decision. I had to make that choice to not dwell on it because it's not like I can do something about it and just really move forward. But then there was a bit of a pressure to make my every breath count literally because of what I had been through. So, you know, I, I really appreciate everyone's answer for, for this um, question. And I really love Mark's take on it. It's okay to not be okay 80% of the time, but that 20%, no. it's okay to be okay. It truly is. Yeah. And um, I, 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 I love that, Mark. Thanks for sharing that with us. And being okay, you know, I guess that's part of accepting. Because the reality is our lives will never be the same. And I don't think they should be in some ways. Because if we go back to the way we were, then what was all of this for? What was all of this past six months of almost like difficulties yeah. and challenges, some suffering. And if we don't become better people, we, 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 you know, I've heard that word, better lives, better people after this, then we didn't understand why this, is, why this happened to begin with. You're still listening to Sun Miglite and CNN Philippines present The Cost of Isolation, a mahabahabang usapan on coping, managing, and accepting. Featuring Dr. Gia Season, Jean Goldborn, Kylie Verzosa, and Mark Hennick. Moderated by Isa Calzado. Let's talk about this new normal, or as Mark refers to it in his new book, the so-called normal. Doc G, I know you have to go soon, so I'd like for you to to give your thoughts here first. Um, wh what's the hardest part of this process, I guess, or any okay. other thoughts that you have about this so-called normal? Well, my personal take on that, Isa, is um, I don't want to term it as a new normal because uh, every day life is really presenting us with new challenges. And I think every day there's a lesson we need to learn. And so this is how our lives are going to be. Uh, but like, but I, I would always want to take off on that point of seeing also some hope at the end of the uh, at the end of this journey we all have, and also anchor on being ourselves, acknowledging our feelings. Um, I'm a, I'm a very uh, I'm very passionate about really asking yourself how you really feel, and at the same time letting other people know that it's about time that we also normalize conversations about how we feel and that support is out there. Uh, we just need to reach out. Um, and that's my take on that because I've had my own share of frustrations as well. And it's a difficult journey to accept. But at the same time, I needed to face those fears, those thoughts, 
And uh, I actually learned how to reach out and ask for help. And hindi siya kawalan or, sorry Mark, the translation of this is, it's not, it's never a sign also of weakness to ask for help. So I would always want to campaign or advocate for that. And we have a, another question for you, Mark, from our audience, from Mark Anthony Cabrera. Mr. Hennick, what is the surprising thing that you have discovered about yourself because of this pandemic? That's a really question. great question because I think there are many um, surprises that have come uh, through this process. Um, one of the things that we saw very early on was how emotionally raw uh, the isolation and the pandemic could make people, that people were expressing, experiencing and expressing emotions that they didn't realize that they had. Uh, and that was certainly uh, the case for me. But I think my, my most important lesson from this, like other struggles in my past, has been, you know, if I got through depression, if I got through being suicidal for years, I can get through anything that this, this, is, this should be fine, even if it's six months, even if it's hard, even if I have to change my whole life, I've been through worse. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that um, eventually you get to a point in your recovery from uh, mental health problems and illnesses where your struggle can become your strength, that there are gifts that it leaves behind uh, should you choose to take them up. So that's what I learned through this was that I'm finally able to use all these skills that I've been building up over the years in my recovery from depression. Now it finally matters. I just really want to oh, say I could totally relate to uh, Mark when he said, um, if I have gone through depression, then I feel I can get through anything. And that's exactly how I felt after getting over depression. But I felt that was the hardest thing I needed to do. And now anything should be, should be, should be easier than that. So I really felt, and during that time when I was suffering through depression, ito yung panahon na and dami ko natutunan sa sarili ko. This was the time when I started, um, you know, I started getting into more self-help books. I started listening to podcasts. I started to get into meditation. I started to take up yoga. I started to um teach kids I, I was a preschool teacher for a while so all these things led to that because because so so ginawa ko tong lahat, lahat, lahat ng bagay na to just to get better and eventually when i did i carried over all these learnings from depression and i could say there is no happiness without darkness and because of, because of that moment in life, I could say I won't be the same person I am today without, without me going through that moment in time. It's your experience and you're overcoming it. I feel like a mom that says, what a victory. I'm so proud of you. Really am. And thank, thank you, so you for the, the 13 months that we got to know each other quite well. And it meant a lot to me and watching you on that pageant, winning the trophy and um, saying that mental health was your advocacy. And now listening to you this way, wow, I'm so very happy to see you this way. You're so okay. Thank you so much, Jeannie. And when you're not okay, we can talk to each other. <laughs> Even um, when I'm okay, I will talk to you. <laughs> Even when Thank I'm okay, you. I'll talk to you. And Mark, um, Mark, congratulations because there was a beautiful thing that happened in Ireland, Kylie, and I was thinking that we could do it together. It is, uh, it's called uh, a table where people talk. It's an empty seat. And it's about those 
who survived their depression. They talked to the parents whose children had a successful suicide. Mm -hmm. So this was done by a psychologist, I think Ireland or England. So when they put um, six couples together and around 12 suicide attempts and that were, that failed. So there were these 12 young people and maybe eight were quite young, your age and Mark. And then there were two that were a bit older. They put these people together with the parents of those who lost their children. Did you know the experience? I cried when they were telling me this in Ireland. The experience was that the parents couldn't talk. There was complete silence between the two groups. So um, I would wish to do that for us in the Philippines, Kylie, and we could invite those parents who don't understand what deep depression and hopelessness is. So if we could do that together, I think it would bring some relief or a little bit of comfort to the parents to see you and Mark giving a lot of hope and you can give them hope and a renewal of spirit to live life. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Tita Jeannie. And please, let's not also forget that there are also children who need to understand what their parents are going through. Mm. As mm. <laughs> so I think it's both everybody needs to understand each other I think um, that's what I'm getting at question from our audience and dami pong nagtatanong para daw sa lahat anybody can answer this what can we do to the rising domestic violence rates I guess may it be physical or verbal abuse towards children or towards anybody for that matter um, caused by this quarantine Doc Gia Okay, Isa. Um, number one, uh, let's never stop on educating about abuse. Because sometimes, dumadating uh, sa point na there are some na we just need to keep talking about it, making them aware. It all starts with awareness on the signs of abuse. Number two, um, more support groups to address it. So that's very important. And during this quarantine, there are a lot of support advocacy groups that, have act that were born. So to address um, women, um, especially vulnerable sectors, like women, children, uh, the LGBTQ uh, community. So it really starts with awareness. Um, let's keep uh, educating them on the signs of abuse, but at the same time, offer them venues where they can be a uh, safe space, a safe space where they can talk about it. And uh, most importantly, someone they can run to for support. So. Uh, let's all start with that. Thank you, Doc G. Why is it that sometimes we are okay and sometimes we are not? It's almost cyclical. Is this normal as well? It, it yes. very much is uh, normal. Uh, you know, this is, these are abnormal times and abnormal circumstance. Uh, and your emotional well-being is supposed to be flexible. You're supposed to respond to difficult situations with difficult emotions. When it becomes abnormal uh, or, or uh, less productive is when you get stuck there. When things change or when, you f when you're not coping as effectively, uh, when you don't find new ways around it. So yes, it's normal uh, to, to experience emotions. You should, you should do that. Um, but if, you're getting, if you find you're getting stuck in that emotion or if you're swinging wildly between emotions, that might be a good sign that it's good to reach out to a mental health professional to talk about what's going on. 
Thank you, Mark. You've used that word earlier as well, stuck. Um, so let's not get stuck. Uh, when we feel that we are, then reach out for professional help. And as Mark said, if you are swinging from one mood to another, that's also um, a sign wherein maybe we need to seek professional help. Another question from our audience. What is the best tip that you can give to the students coping with the new normal setup from Alan Lloyd Martinez? Teacher Kylie, baka ikaw? Or Doc Gia? Teacher Kylie. Alam mo, I would really... I consider myself still a student, but... I guess maybe just in in general setting setting good emotional and boundaries for yourself even a lot of kids have been approaching me what do you do if family member has been toxic so it's learning how to set emotional boundaries even with work now so um but also for students it's also a good time to um, I guess set some time to uh, you know stay off social media once in a while Spend time on meaningful activities. Try to do something that is isn't on your phone. Oh, personally, I love journaling. It's it's writing down my emotions. This is to figure out how I really feel. So I start with I feel um, frustrated, angry, sleepy, um, and and then it, I go through an emo a whole um, page, and then dun ko nararamdaman ako. Ito pa nararamdaman ko, and then I get through it. I guess those are those are also applicable to students and just to keep your mental health at bay. So especially now, hindi tayo nakakagalaw sa loob ng bahay. So getting enough movement in your body, still getting enough exercise. I do YouTube videos, kahit 15-20 minutes. Trying to keep, still maintain a healthy lifestyle even if you're at home. So I think it's so important for me is to set emotional boundaries even with your friends. So ako... As a student, I had to learn how to say no because if it's not good for you, then you have to say no. You can't run on empty all the time. So that would be my advice. And it's also about time that we communicate also how we feel because everyone is also working through these changes that we have. So it's really uh, all about also giving feedback. So the teachers are doing their, their part, the students, and we are all learning from this um, innovation as what Mark said. So it's also about time that we give them feedback because we can learn from each other. And uh, please don't forget to practice self-care because sometimes tumadating din sa point that parang you also question if you should rest. But that's a basic need we should have to be able to function. So I can never underestimate the power also of self-care because uh, uh, self-care is important for us to further uh, ourselves in this journey. Thank you, Doc G. Later on, I, I would love to hear um, everyone's thoughts or, and, and their insights or basically um, I'd love for, for all of us to share some tools on how we can, um, I guess, have a healthier mind, body, and spirit. So this is a good question. And then uh, I think, that, did this come from me? <laughs> no. Uh, it's a question. It says, how can I control my anger? Please, teach me. From the perspective of the only uh, male on the panel uh, today, this is an issue that does uh, affect men in particular. I know we all uh, deal with anger, of course, regardless of uh, what your gender is. But, um, you know, I think we see it in men particularly, and this is why men have such uh, astronomically higher rates of suicide uh, than women, 
Uh, and one of the ideas behind that is that women are able to better name and label their emotions and work through them and express them. Uh, whereas men turn their sadness inward. They turn their fears and anxieties inward. And it turns often uh, into anger, into self-hatred uh, and self-destruction. Um, so I think the, the way that we need to recognize that is, is to uh, acknowledge that you're feeling angry. That's okay. It seems unacceptable. I struggle with this myself all the time that I shouldn't be angry about this. Well, don't, we say here, I don't know if this translates or not, but you, you shouldn't should all over yourself, uh, which is that you shouldn't be telling yourself all these things or all these ways that you should be feeling uh, that it's okay. You can accept your anger. Uh, you can work through it. Uh, now, making sure, however, uh, that you're, you're keeping your behavior in check as well, because anger begets anger. We know this from the research, that the more angry you behave, uh, that the more angry you will get. So it's important to be able to talk about it, to have outlets for both self-care and self-expression. We need to be able to sublimate or, or pro productively express our anger uh, in a way that doesn't harm others. So first step is always recognition. And then once you recognize it, doing something constructive with it, uh, you'd be surprised what you can create if you're a creative type person uh, when you're really angry or when you're experiencing any intense emotion. It can be great creative fuel as well. Turn your pain or your anger into art. I love that. Before we wrap up, we've discussed so many things and I just really feel that it would be powerful to, to end it by sharing some tips, you know, for for us to have that mental endurance that we are talking about, Mark, um, because this is a bit of a, a marathon. It might be an ultra marathon. It's, we thought it was a sprint, but it's apparently an ultra marathon. So I'd love to hear some tips or tools that we can equip our audience with. So, Tita Jean? Yes, uh, Isa. Uh, I like what you said. It's a humble. Humility humble after my the tragedy of my daughter. I think I learned how to be non-judgmental and I learned to be very patient. I used to have problems with anger and spontaneous temper tantrum when I couldn't get the kind of excellence or the kind of high standard quality of work I expected from my people. And at the time as a fashion designer, but then my whole world changed. I realized that it's not about how many millions you sold or 24,000 garments a month. It's not about being a number one ready-to-wear designer. It really humbled me. And in this humbling moment that I had, I would like to share that I learned to be very patient, non-judgmental, and I learned how to listen and to observe everyone around me. If there's anything, what I learned is to be very forgiving. And I think it helps me through when I forgive. I can sleep really well at night. It's so light and easy to go to sleep. My only tip is let's always look for the beautiful horizon. Look at the horizon and watch the moon rise because nature heals all of us. So I've got now half of the month I'm in the province of Batangas. I'm no more a city girl from being a New York, a Manila city girl, shopping, having designer brands, designer clothes, you know. No, it's not. It's watching an avocado 
from a flower grow into a fruit and watching the people harvest and enjoying it as my salad. So I think it's going back to nature. And if we do, I think we'll be a bit better off. And students can go back to nature and be taught instead of just blended learning, laptop, computer. If they can just be taught in the garden or in the farm, I think they'll, they'll be okay. They may not be high in scholastic grades, but they'll be a happier, we will have happier children and the next generation happier, less gadgets and less video games, much less video games. Thank you. Thank you for having us all here. It's okay. been just a wonderful experience. Thank you, Tita Jeannie. It's been wonderful to have you and hear your thoughts. And I agree, nature heals all of us. Let us let nature heal us. Doc G, really uh, every day you have to acknowledge, appreciate each day and take it one day at a time. Especially nowadays when things can get overwhelming. What worked for me personally was to name my top three priorities then the rest. I, I put it aside first and focus. And that I, I learned to name my top three things that I'm grateful for each day. It can actually start from there. So acknowledge your feelings. Uh, learn to seek for help because, again, it's never a sign of weakness to ask for help. And that, again, just like any other tough times we've all been subjected to, this too shall pass. So let's all anchor and rebuild on that hope that... Um, this too will end. Thank you for having me. Um, super um, nice experience. Thank you, Dr. G. And love and light to you. Kylie, your tips, uh, your thoughts, anything you'd like to share before we wrap up? Yes. Um, mine would be about using this time wisely to keep on growing, to keep on striving, to become a better person. To, to use this time wisely dahil nga marami pa tayong oras sa atin sa, sa panahon ngayon and I'd like for for us to become better people than than who we were a few months back and ako personally what has helped me through the pandemic was um, keeping my mind busy instead of just waiting for things to come I either made things myself or I started to be creative. I, I used um, I used this time to take up so many different things to to learn different things and um, to focus even more on my advocacy. So uh, it's I guess this is the perfect time to just keep on taking full responsibility on where we choose to spend your time and energy to. So I guess my message for for everyone here or for the viewers is um, what can you do to to improve yourself now, so I guess that, that that would be the that would be my message for them. But I would also want to add to what Sir Mark said or to what um, Jeannie said. I think this time has taught me to become more patient, to appreciate nature so much more because it does ground me when I'm in nature. And with Sir Mark, it's it's learning how to acknowledge, learning how to acknowledge all everything that I'm feeling because that is the first step to healing is to acknowledge how you feel and that would be also the, the most difficult thing to do is and I agree it, it does happen a lot to men so and I also agree with Doc Gia it's um, 
prioritizing prioritizing what we want to do so it's the perfect time to focus on your goals or or even realign or or change your goals if you want to but it's so always so important to acknowledge your feelings and pay attention to your feelings so yeah thank you so much again for having me i really enjoyed this this was so informational for me and i love events like this because it makes me feel na na tama pala yung nararamdaman ko and it's okay to not feel okay and it's okay to be okay. And it's okay. Most importantly, it's okay to be okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Kylie. Not only a beautiful woman on the outside, but definitely a beautiful mind and beautiful heart right there. So thank you, Kylie. Everyone's just beautiful here. I love the energy <laughs> of this panel. So last like others have mentioned so far, this is a great opportunity to do, uh, as we say in psychotherapy, do the work uh, on yourself, that is, that, that recovery takes time, it takes work, that nobody is going to do it for you. Um, nobody's going to inject recovery into your veins or give you a magic pill that will suddenly make everything all better, that it does take work. The good news is we have more than 50 years of skills and tools and research and programs to help you do that work. So take this time and take a, a cognitive behavioral therapy group or course. You can do them yeah. online. And certainly we have many, a much more articulated online healthcare system now because of the pandemic. Another gift, I think, of this struggle. Um, you can take mindfulness practice or re-engage in religious practice if that's where you derive meaning. We know that people who do that tend to have better mental health. And it doesn't seem to matter what religion you practice uh, as long as you're finding meaning in something. So I think this comes back to the point for me, though, that even if you're struggling, uh, you can still reach out and help others. So help yourself. Yes, make sure your own oxygen mask is, is securely affixed so that way you're safe, but you don't have to be perfect to help others. You know, the mid-century um, psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Jung, once wrote that as far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to light a candle in the darkness for others. I think that when you reach out and help others, the energy and the purpose and the meaning that you take from that can be curative for you too. It's what I've been doing now for more than 20 years, sharing my story, not because I've got it all figured out. I don't. I still have lots of bad days too. But because that when you reach out and light that candle in the darkness for other people, it helps to mm. spread that healing, it spread that gratitude and joy, and it makes you feel really good too. So recognize that it's hard for, for everybody right now, um, but we can still spread hope and healing and that whatever phase of this you're in yourself, you can be a part of that too. You heard that cognitive behavior therapy, Carl Jung. Obviously, um, mindfulness is something that we didn't even get to talk about tonight because there is so much to talk about. And thank you for all your tips, for all the insight, the message of hope for everyone. And, and just, I guess, to add on to that, I think one thing that we all have in this lifetime on this planet is purpose. And I think once we identify that we have, we do have a purpose and it's up to us to identify what that is. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be just to make someone smile that day. That, that in itself, there's purpose in that, there's power in that. And I think when we recognize that we are here on earth for something and then we would we will keep going. That will keep us going. Mahaba-haba talagang usapan ito. It can be long. We can do this until tomorrow. We can have this discussion. But of course, we have to end here. But I hope that 
when this conversation ends, this doesn't mean that the conversation ends entirely. You can keep um, talking to your loved ones. Again, you can also reach out to a professional and seek help, continue this conversation. And uh, I would just like to take this opportunity to say thank you to our panelists. Thank you, Dr. G, Dr. Uh, Tita Jean Gilburn, Mark Hennick, and Kylie Versosa. Thank you so much for this helpful, hopeful, and enriching conversation. Sana sa mga nanonood nito ay nakatulong ang mahabahabang usapan na ito pa sa inyo. You know, this cost of isolation, coping, managing, managing and accepting is just the second in a four-part series brought to you by CNN Philippines in partnership with San Miglite. The Mahabang Usapan is on Pride and Prejudice, the next one, with award-winning international journalist Samuel Burke, who will be joining us all the way from London. So mark this date on your calendar. That's on November 13. That's Friday, again at 8 p.m., so thank you again to everybody who tuned in tonight. Thank you to our panelists. I wish we, could, we had more time to continue this conversation. But again, this has been a really helpful one and enriching one. So maraming salamat po sa inyong lahat. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'm Isa Calzado. Thank you and please stay safe and healthy. Thank you for listening to San Miglite and CNN Philippines Present. The Cost of Isolation, a Mahabahabang Usapan on Coping, Managing, and Accepting. Featuring Dr. Gia Season, Jean Gilborn, Kylie Rososa, and Mark Hennick. Moderated by Isa Calzado. Stay tuned for more discussions from Sun Light and CNN Philippines.